welcome back to ASMR Quest. I am John Tyler, and I am joined, as always, by... Ian Fox. Yes. Excellent. I feel like that was a pretty solid intro. I think that's uh, maybe one of the best we've done the entire time we've been uh, recording this podcast. Well, John, you've got a point, but I think it was missing one important thing. Uh, yeah, what, 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 do you, what, what is that, Ian? Well, it's top ten lists, John, but luckily I'm here to provide a solution. Uh, that's right, John, I'm here to introduce my Ian. new segment, uh, Ian Covers the Top Ten List of Top Ten Top Ten Lists. Ian, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I just, I, I meant specifically the part where I said, welcome back to ASMR Quest. I'm John Tyler, and I'm joined as always by, and then you said Ian Fox. Because before that, we've been trying this whole thing with Tingle Master. Wait, well, this is never Tingle Master. Whisper Masters and Tingle Boys. <laughs> and it was, all, it was all trash. It never worked. We never got it right. And, Tingle and I think down. just the welcome back to ASMR Quest, and then we state our names. I think it's, I think it's solid. I think that's, I think it's the way to do it. What do yeah. you think? Well, it's, it's a no nonsense. Um, approach for a no-nonsense podcast that's right that's <laughs> the, if, if this is the first time you're joining us here on asmr quest uh, you should know this is a no-nonsense podcast nothing but the facts uh-huh. and that's why fact number one john fact number one is i'm covering this top 10 list of top 10 top 10 lists provided by the odysseyonline.com um and written by uh jonathan carr thank you jonathan carr for submitting this to our podcast <laughs> I believe that's a name we've heard on the podcast before, right? We have we read other Jonathan Carr uh, articles? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay, this is not this is not a a, a self development blogger, John. This is a <laughs> this is a serious journalistic listicle. Okay, uh, I, I I think we've read some other listicle by Jonathan Carr. Then uh, that sounds very familiar to me. I mean, it's a pretty common name. I don't actually know if it's a common name. It's quite possible he has written a listicle that I've read before. Uh, this is a listicle that grabbed my interest because it's a top ten listicle of top ten listicle of top ten top ten listicles. Wait, oh, that's so many more layers. Yeah, so well, it's, it's, it's probably one more layer. Um, it, it is one more layer, but uh, I, I should let the listeners in on a little secret. I've had some whiskey tonight. Whoa, John. Uh, so one extra layer feels like a lot of extra layers. Okay, so this is we're we're dealing with with a three layer list right now. I hope that um, all of our listeners can keep up, even if John can't. Uh, coming in at number ten, <laughs> it's the American Film Institute's top ten top ten genres list. Uh, <laughs> that's right. This is a this is a listicle provided for us uh, by FI. FI. Um, and actually, what I'm going to do is so so we're not going to cover. All of the top ten, top ten, top ten lists, because uh, I think that would be a little too many. But we are going to cover um, this top ten, top ten list by AFI, which is again number ten. Wait, Ian, if we're only covering the number one top ten, top ten list, uh, then why even bother covering the top ten, top ten, top ten lists? We could just cover this one top ten, no, 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 top John, ten John. list. This is going to be a, a repeating segment on the show. Oh, okay, so um, each each week we're going to get a different top ten, top ten list mm-hmm. from and the top ten, top ten, top ten list. Precisely. List. And just to clarify, this is not number one. We are starting at number ten. Oh, we're starting at number ten. Oh, we're going to work our way down, so it's going to get even better. It's going to get even better. Uh, so this is actually the worst one. We're starting off with the worst, as, <laughs> as they always recommend <laughs> in, in journalism school, which we've both been to. 
Uh huh. That's uh, uh, that's one hundred percent accurate. Starting that is not a alternative fact, nor is it fake news. Now, actually, John, as I'm as I was preparing to read out this list, I did realize I did some some quick math in my head. Uh-huh. Um, so a top ten, top ten list, sort of by its very construction, will have a hundred elements to it. Yes. <laughs> what I'm proposing right now is is that for the next is we that we get through a thousand elements. <laughs> well, that, yeah, but but then like each episode we get through. I don't think we can get through a thousand elements given enough time, right? Like you know, do all right, right. Time. But, but the idea of getting through a hundred elements as the introduction to each of several episodes um, doesn't seem plausible. <laughs> Ten episodes. So actually, I think we're going to go through only. Uh, one of the top ten lists per episode. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a hundred episodes worth of introductions yeah, here. Precisely. And we're only on episode 50, so we're set for the next 150. This is very exciting. Very exciting. Oh, by the way, this is a big milestone, listeners. This is episode 50. Mm-hmm. Now you know. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so this is, so this set of episodes, you know, we're dealing with, uh, AFI, AFI's 10 top 10. Um, and we're starting off with, uh, so it's their ten top ten genres. So it's a list of ten genres, and of each genre, the top ten films within that genre. And we're starting off with genre number ten. It's animation. Uh, so All right. Coming in at number ten, it's Finding Nemo. Okay. Number right. nine, Cinderella. Interesting. I'm surprised uh, Cinderella... Actually, I, yeah, it depends on your metrics. Okay. I mean, Cinderella is really more... I, I can't delve it this much into every single item on this list. Never mind. Let, let's keep going. Just well, hard and fast. I was, again, I was sort of realizing that, and then realizing, you know, if we don't delve into it, then it's just me saying ten things. All right, I'll, I'll just give you my my real quick hot takes. Uh, Cinderella, more of a classic than Finding Nemo, but I feel like Finding Nemo, you know, it's... Well, so Finding Nemo's number more ten, topics, and Cinderella's more issues. It's got more heart. Yeah. Sorry, all right, so give me number eight. Uh, me number number eight. eight, if you want heart, John, this, this movie's got a bucket on it. It's Shrek. Okay, ah, uh, Shrek is a real classic k- banger soundtrack for a children's movie. Mm-hmm. Banger soundtrack, um, the donkey does bang the dragon. Coming at number seven, <laughs> it's Beauty and the Beast. Okay, okay, and, you uh-huh. know, another classic, lots of great music. Yep. Um, it teaches okay. us that uh, you can love an ugly person so long as they're rich. And yeah, also, I'm, I'm still inclined to, to go with some of the more modern, more perhaps deeper and meaningful uh, animations over the, the classics, but I, I can appreciate the, 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 that there is some something to, to be desired and appreciated about the classics. Uh-huh. Uh, so hit me with number seven. I uh, know, we're on number six now, John. Number six is Toy Story. Shit. Wait. Six. We, we did... So, so ten, Finding ten, ten is Finding Nemo, nine is Cinderella, yep. eight is Shrek, seven is Beauty and the Beast, six oh, okay, is Toy yep. Story. Toy Story. Okay, I mean, yeah, Toy Story is great. I've got nothing... To, mm-hmm. negative to say about that no critiques except uh buzz lightyear um i don't think he could fly i don't see how it's plausible <laughs> <laughs> toys just it's too heavy john it's too heavy uh, not very at, anyway. maybe that's why it only uh clocked in at number six probably number five it's fantasia i don't really remember fantasia all that well i definitely saw it when i was very young I uh, don't remember much about it. I would I've... recommend rewatching. I think it is an animated thing that, like, I don't think that it's really got an age limit on it. It's okay. It's very good. It also actually is the that source... might be. So, is this the top ten list of animated films or the top ten list of animated children's films? Um, just top ten animation. Okay, all right. So in in that case, I don't take any issue with Fantasia because my, my one critique would have been that it maybe is not a children's film. Mm. Um, but if this is not a list of children's films, then that is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. 
And it's uh, it's worth noting that Fantasia is particularly notable for people in the uh, artificial intelligence community because it features a short, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, um, which is sort of the framing device used for a lot of people who have apocalyptic predictions about artificial intelligence. So that's something that's nice. At number four, it's The Lion King. Sorry, I, I have to go back for a second. I, I, I need more context on The Sorcerer's Apprentice and how that um, relates to people with apocalyptic predictions on artificial intelligence. Uh, so a quick summary, The Sorcerer's Apprentice is a short where uh, Mickey is the apprentice to a sorcerer, mm-hmm. and he is tasked with bringing up a bunch of water to the top of a tower in order to fill a cauldron. Uh, he is too lazy to do this, and so he instead uses magic to create a living broom, and he instructs this broom to bring water to the top of the tower. The broom... Uh, goes about doing its job, and it does it all night. Uh, in fact, so that once Mickey wakes up, the tower is flooded. There's too much water up there. The broom then at some point, I think, steals his wand and uses it to create more brooms to bring more water up the tower. Um, and yeah, it's just, it is a story about how you can set what you believe to be a benign incentive, and when you have a very capable agent trying to fulfill those incentives, it can lead to negative consequences. Mm. You can also look up the uh, the paperclip okay. maximization I, problem. Interesting. I, I've also heard people apply similar uh, logic and reasoning to capitalism. Uh-huh. When you give an entity, uh, a business, the goal, make money, um, you know, that seemingly simple instruction can result in uh, in negative consequences. Uh-huh. Well, but that one's actually uh, been disproven by economics, John. It turns out that capitalism doesn't do anything wrong. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I, I, I missed that memo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people did. A lot of people missed that memo sent out by economics. Um, coming at number four, it's the Lion King. Speaking of economics, everyone's favorite um, system of rule, it's a monarchy by a um, sort of apex predator that does eat the flesh of his subjects in many ways, much like modern governments. <laughs> An inspiring story for all of us, and speaking of inspiration, John, it, we're coming in at number three, it's Bambi. Uh, That's another one that I have not seen since I was very young, and yeah. I can't really remember. I, so, so what I remember from Bambi, and I don't know, I don't think I actually remember this from seeing it, but I remember, well, so I know that, um, at some point Bambi's parents die. And I think then, it's just the mom. I don't know that the father's ever in the movie. Yeah, well, I don't know that father deers really do all that much in the way. They don't. Like child raising. Um, yeah. But I gotta wonder, John, what's the rest of Bambi about? That's a great question that I cannot answer. I also, I'm shocked that it's that high. Just, I mean... It's like it's a pretty classic one, right? I I, I, I know it's a classic, sure. But given that, like, you know, if you just sort of look at the cultural zeitgeist, the fact that um, all either of us can mention, uh, can think of about Bambi is the fact that the mom dies. And, like, that's really the only sort of cultural touchstone from that movie makes me think that it doesn't deserve to be number four. Like, I think... It's number three, John, so... Sorry, sorry, number three. It makes me think that it doesn't deserve to be number three. Because even if I had not seen The Lion King since I was a small child, I mean, I think I first saw both of them around the same time. I've definitely since rewatched The Lion King. Um, But part of the reason that I have since rewatched The Lion King is because it, I think, left a larger impact on me as a child, and it left a larger impact on many of my peers and just society as a whole. 
maybe if I was of an older generation, maybe if I had been born at a time that The Lion King was not uh, available to me as a child and Bambi was really all I had to connect with, then I would have more, uh, like a stronger memory of it. But it, it feels like a lot of the other movies on the list have more of an have had more of a cultural impact than Bambi. But yeah. maybe I'm mistaken. It's sort of tough to say, because also, I, mean, I think I think a lot of these movies really came out quite a long time ago. Like, I'm pretty sure Bambi was from, like, I don't know. It was, yeah, it's from 1942. Yeah, that, so. that, that's a good point. Yeah, like, a lot of, uh, we, you know, we've got a bunch of movies on this list that are from the 90s and early 2000s, so, of course, they resonate more with me. Mm-hmm. But when, but, yeah, considering that it is from the 1940s, and it is still a... Yeah, I guess given that it's from the 1940s, the fact that everyone still knows about Bambi and still knows that the hunter killed the mom and it's very sad. Uh, all right, I, I'm, I'll, I'll take it back. I, th- I think Bambi deserves that spot. Well, we'll see. Uh, at number two, it's Pinocchio, John. Everyone's favorite tale of a, a phallic young lad <laughs> who overcompensates for his deceits. Okay. Uh, Pinocchio referenced in Shrek, so I think mm-hmm. that that is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Well, but then shouldn't Shrek be strictly higher than Pinocchio? No, the Pinocchio should be higher than Shrek because it is the source material that is referenced in a later movie. Well, that's an interesting question then, John, which I think sort of brings up a, a fundamental philosophical distinction. Ian, we spent a lot of time on this already, and we're going to do this for the next hundred episodes, <laughs> so let's keep moving. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, John, I think I think that there's an interesting question as to whether history is a tale of progression, whether we expect references, uh, the, the subjects which reference things to be superior to those which are referenced, uh, versus one of historical degradation, where we are sort of constantly diluting culture. And I, 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 I guess the um, reason that I would say Pinocchio uh, should rank higher than Shrek is that... Um, Many, many things have ranked, have, have uh, referenced Pinocchio. Pinocchio has made such an impact that it has been referenced time and time again. Uh-huh. Shrek is... Um, Shrek's been referenced know, a lot on the internet, John. Yeah, There's Shrek is, has, is a cultural to. touchstone in its own right. It is a, a very big deal. Uh, but it is... I mean, it, it has set itself apart from the other entities that reference Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. But it is still um, derivative in many ways. It, it, it Actually, Shrek is very derivative of fairy tales as a whole. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say that no other uh, pop culture is derivative at all. But I, th- I think the, uh, there is something to be said for the source material, which has been around for so long, having such an impact and lasting for such a long time, uh, should sort of supersede in some ways the more recent materials that reference it. Um, I don't think anyone is advocating for Ready Player One being better than the source material that it is referencing. Uh, Because from what I've heard, the book is pretty mediocre, and the movie is not even mediocre. Haven't seen seen the movie or read the book, but I haven't heard great things about either. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Coming in at number one, the top animated film of all time, it's Ready Player One! Wow! Fuck off. What a surprise! No, John, it is. There's actually. Um, so I, I want you to take a guess. What do you think is the number one top animated film of all time? Fuck. Uh, we've already gone through a lot of the classics. Uh, uh, Sleeping Beauty, maybe. I don't think that we've heard that yet, and that's a big classic. So it's not Sleeping Beauty, but you're not too far off. 
Okay. Uh, we already had Cinderella, right? Mm-hmm. Snow White? Yep. Got it. Nice. It is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, um, the film that teaches us that, you know, it's you should accept people who are different than you as your servants. <laughs> um, and you should also accept people uh, for their stereotypes, but define them by such, uh, or not stereotypes so much as singular personality traits yeah really people are unidimensional yeah <laughs> at least dwarves are <laughs> but john it's very important to to recognize dwarves aren't people <laughs> oh dear well, certainly uh, not fantasy dwarves yeah it's, that is true uh released 1938 so that's an old movie it is and uh but not go. as old as my grandfather not as old as your grandfather your grandfather is he one of the seven dwarves, John? He is not, no. Actually, okay. he would have been... God, he... Wait, actually, uh, 38, you said? Yep. So, he probably... That would have... He was too old for that movie when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, he had an old grandfather. Uh, and this was an old movie that topped the top ten animation list. Brought to us by AFI's uh, Ten Top Ten. Brought to us by Jonathan Carr's top ten list of top 10 top 10 lists uh thank you uh afi and jonathan carr uh, i'm very excited to go through this list for the next like two years um because yeah oh no four years i think yeah four years yeah. so if we're doing an episode every other week and there's 52 weeks in a year then yeah it's roughly four years of content that we've got <laughs> yeah and that's just one top 10 List of top ten lists of top ten lists, John. There's probably at least ten of them which we can compile. <laughs> so, you know, we may or may not have had jo- heard Jonathan Carr's name on this podcast before, but we're certainly going to be hearing it again in the future. Again, again, again. And with that, let's move on to notable vids. Okay, there's a lot of notable vids this week, John. There's two of them. <laughs> uh, so, I- I've got two notable vids here, and I've got some some very simple, very effective comments i've already written for them oh, i don't I think i need to say all that much more than what i've already written you've got an official so statement up, you'd like to read first up uh the the comment i left on this one is gb is such a fucking nerd which is um it's very true and i well i said it as an insult i meant it as a compliment uh this is a a link to so this is in reference to a video GB published on May 12th. It is ASMR, Mercy Roleplay, Welcome to Overwatch, New Hero. Because uh, GB is super fucking into Overwatch. She is into video games in general. And even nerdier than that, she is a an avid cosplayer. And a very good one, I, I've got to say. Uh, so this is GB dressed as Mercy, who is, I believe, her Overwatch main. And uh, doing some ASMR. Talking to you. Talking about being a new Overwatch hero. Uh, talking about healing you and throwing some 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 solid shade uh at uh overwatch players and the overwatch culture uh you know very subtle or not sorry not very subtle it's it's minimal uh there's only like one or two like a, a handful of small little asides they aren't super biting but they're 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 a little biting and they're they're kind of fun so if you're at all familiar with overwatch uh, i would recommend it or if you're just a GB fan, I mean, it's 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 GB doing doing GB things. Uh, yeah, Overwatch has 
uh, as of May 15th, 2018, 40 million players. That is a lot of players. That is a lot of players. I was just wondering, like, is it, is, how niche is Overwatch? And the answer is not niche. Not at all. (laughs) No, not niche. Yeah, very mainstream. No, yeah, very mainstream. Chibi, you're a fucking corporate sellout. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. I, I disagree with that statement. Yeah. Uh, Overwatch is very mainstream. I would not call GV a corporate sellout, though. Uh, speaking of people who uh, may or may not be corporate sellouts, which is literally everyone. Uh... Well, no, John. Only only um, the uh, people that Olden Caulfield would refer to as... Actually, I forget what he called them. Phonies, I guess, right? Phonies. Oh, God. I fucking hate that book. We don't need to go into that right now, but it's a dumbass book, and I don't know why it's a classic. I don't like it. Well, John, we can get into that at a later time. We Uh, can. Uh, But in any case, speak of the devil, Cosmic Tingles is back. I wrote that because last week we talked about Cosmic Tingles and how she'd been away for a long time. And then, May 19th, she came back with She heard our video. She decided that (laughs) enough was enough. She heard our podcast, Ian. (laughs) John. Oh, dear. (laughs) <laughs> uh, she decided enough is enough. She came back. Uh, she's still got her thumbnail that I'm not entirely sure isn't Taylor Swift. Uh, it's I, a fairy T Swift thumbnail. Yeah, her, her not thumbnail of it. Her like like a like profile pic. Yeah, yeah, her, her little. Uh, yeah, her her profile thumbnail, I guess. I'm holding it up uh, to my thumbnail right now, and it's just about the same size. Yeah, my thumbnail's I, a little larger. It, it might be T-Swizzle. It might be Cosmic Tingles looking like T-Swizzle. It's mm-hmm. tough to say. Probably uh, the second, but... Yeah, I'd say it's the second. Man, it's, it's very T-Swizzle inspired. Yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, she's back. She's got a new vid. Uh, it's an ASMR video, which makes sense because it's on her ASMR channel. It's all about uh, a hair mask and a face mask. I didn't know hair masks were a thing. Uh, and I don't know much about face masks, but... I feel like I've heard a lot of people saying great things about them recently, and uh, I kind of want to try it. It seems like a, a fun, relaxing thing, and also, I've been having a, a bit of an acne problem recently, and I have no idea whether or not face masks are supposed to help with that. Uh, I didn't want to but... say anything, John, but uh, you did. You turned on this, <laughs> this, this guy, and I wanted to yell out, It's a pizza pie! <laughs> It's not that bad. I feel like it's probably something no one's noticed but me. These grotesque boils but, are erupting you know. constantly, John. It's <laughs> just drizzling down your face. As, um, yeah. I, I, I was not someone who had, like, a major acne problem as a teen. Uh, but I feel like my current acne levels are roughly those of what I had as a teen. Like, I've just been getting too many pimps recently, and I, mm-hmm. I want less pimps. Have you tried showering, John? Ian, I shower... <laughs> Every goddamn week. <laughs> Whether you need it or not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about acne. It's like... Yeah. It's kind of silly. Yeah. I, well, I, it's mostly coming from, like, the various oils that your skin releases. Yeah. It's, it's true. So if you've tried having drier skin, John, that'll even oh, do the yeah, trick. I have dry enough skin already. <laughs> That's, that's, that's why I I so, so that's why I haven't gone out and like purchased any sort of like acne washes or cleanses because every single one that I've ever used dries out your skin. My skin's very dry. I don't need anything else drying my skin. 
Well, let's see. For our for our listeners, the standard recommendation for anti-acne products are uh, basically any compound that has, I think, it's around two percent or like a, a two percent salicylic acid um, mixed within it. Salicylic acid is the the sort of primary active ingredient that you'll find in like over the counter acne remedies. And now it's time for ASMR news. <laughs> Oh, also, uh, I just want to say, John, I've done a yeah. face mask before. I've I've had oh, a face really? mask. How was it? Did uh, you put cucumbers on your eyes, Ian? I did not. I I was. Yeah, I don't think people really do that. I think that's a, a movie thing. Yeah. Maybe. I was getting a haircut at Jonathan's. And the Floby haircut. The Floby haircut. I was getting a ha- Floby haircut at Jonathan's, and I saw that uh, he had a big tube of sort of face mask gel, and I tried it out. And let me tell you, um, as someone who has very fair skin and a propensity for sunburns, removing a face mask I found to be um, disturbingly similar to peeling <laughs> off large swaths of sunburned skin. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine that. And um... after I was finished with the arduous process of removing this sort of extra layer of flesh, I don't know that I really felt any different. That's fair. Yeah. You know, based on the... I'm both surprised that Jonathan is a face mask man, and also not at all surprised. Uh, he, is, like, he is not a standard face mask man. Um, he was given that as a gift. Oh, okay. Because he had expressed right. some interest, I think, to, to his girlfriend. Okay. Because, yeah, like, like, looking at his face, it looks like a face that has has been pampered. But he's also someone who uses a floby to cut his own hair. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, John. With using the floby to cut your own hair, he cuts his hair, I think, once a week or so. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So that's, okay. that's one of the advantages of do, like doing a cut your own hair sort of thing. You can cut your own hair with extraordinary regularity to basically always have hmm. the same length hair. Interesting. Yeah, I had not considered that. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for ASMR news. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first up, uh, this is not new at all, um, but I discovered it recently. Uh, GB, in addition to her ASMR channel, has a gaming channel, uh, and that channel is simply Gabe. Uh, is simply GB. There's there's no ASMR. On is it. she talking in a loud and disruptive it's manner? Just GB. Um, she's. I wouldn't say a loud and disruptive manner, but she's talking in a. Actually, you know what? In this particular video that. I watched, and I'm referencing here, I would say it's a loud and disruptive manner. Uh, she has a video where she uh, is showing off a, a little battle she had with another successful ASM artist, ASMR Glow, um, in Overwatch. They're doing 1v1 battles, and it's, it's a very weirdly formatted video, because it's got both screens... And then you have the audio for each of them coming out, like, a different ear. And so each of them has just, like, a a gaggle of dudes talking to them while they're playing. I don't know who these guys are. Just presumably people they play Overwatch with. But each of them has just a, a gaggle of dudes talking to them while they're playing. And they're doing a 1v1 battle. And so you've got each person's audio in a different ear corresponding to where their screens are on the screen but it's pretty good i'd recommend it uh also i didn't realize uh that 
Glow has whatever accent she has, because when people whisper, it's very different from when they speak. Like, I, I think I had always just thought that she was from California or something, but it sounds like she has, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a London accent or something? I couldn't, I didn't, I don't know. She's got some sort of accent I wasn't expecting. It's not American. <laughs> John, I'm laughing because I'm reading ahead to the next hot news item. That's right. It's uh, sit down to an ASMR cheesecake factory dinner date with this weird video published by Food and Wine. Yes. So when I first saw this, I thought, oh, no, it's going to be another one of the it's going to be another Applebee's scenario. It's going to be another just paid for article Mm -hmm. for a video no one's seen. Uh, But then I started reading the article and I checked out the video and it turns out it is a relatively successful video. Um and uh and it and it's not paid for nor created by by the cheesecake factory uh it is rather a comedy video that's right asmrs hit the comedy world uh this is a video that was uploaded to the super deluxe channel on youtube a channel that i have heard of and every time i hear of it or every time i hear the name i think I have opinions on that channel. I have strong feelings about it. And then I remember, no, I don't. Wow. I don't actually know what they do most of the time. I maybe just have feelings about the name, but even that I'm not sure about. What do you feel about the name, John? Super Deluxe. I'm not sure. (laughs) I think at first I think it's going to be like a super hot reference. And so I think, oh, that's positive. Because it's a game that I think I would like but haven't actually played. And then I realized, no, it's not super hot. It's something else. And I, I just don't know how I feel about it. I don't... It's a th- it's something I think I have opinions about, but I don't. I have no opinions about Super Deluxe, even though I think I do. Well, John, I've got an opinion about Super Deluxe coming for you hot off the presses. I've just heard about them. I've just formulated my opinion. Uh, I was looking at some of their most recent videos. One of the videos is How to Punch Like One Punch Man, Anime Fit 9000 with Kaleon Fox. Um, I would say that this video... Um, represents a complete misunderstanding of the One Punch Man anime <laughs> cinematic universe, John, because it is well established that One Punch Man does not, in fact, have good punching technique. One Punch Man is a superhero who is able to defeat any villain with one punch. Um, but he is not able to do so because of any particular skill, but due to his overwhelming strength, which serves as the primary plot motivator and source of comedy throughout the series. Um, so clearly these are people who are trying to cash in on a, uh, at this point, not even topical anime reference <laughs> without an understanding of the source material, John. I give Super Deluxe zero stars. <laughs> um, That's fair. Also, in this Food and Wine article, um, so they, they talk about, they basically go on to describe the video, and then the final paragraph, if that sounds boring, you're right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is a video that was created by uh, Brandon Wardell in uh, association with Super Deluxe. I don't... Maybe he owns Super Deluxe. Maybe he is Super Deluxe. I don't know. But he's a comedian. I think he's fairly successful. I'm not really really familiar with his work. But he's got an ASMR comedy album coming out. And so this is to promote his ASMR comedy album. It is an ASMR date at the Cheesecake Factory. Um, it's not hilarious. John? It's not super ASMR, but it's a little funny and it's a little ASMR. John? So, yeah, there you go. At multiple points, 
One Punch Man anime. <laughs> One Punch Man punches hard enough to destroy entire buildings. I find it highly doubtful that Kalyan Fox is going to teach you to punch that hard. <laughs> that's just, that's an inconceivable degree of punching strength, John. And if this, if this nine minute long YouTube video will indeed teach me to punch with, with truly superhuman and supernatural strength, well boy, that, that really would be worth a like and subscribe. Well, uh, we're gonna skip the, the next item on ASMR news because I forgot about it and haven't actually looked at it yet. Well, John, uh, so... <laughs> I, forget. I was checking this list not but like an hour ago and, and this item wasn't on there. So you just added this no, on. No, I, I put this on yesterday because I found it and I thought, oh, this looks interesting. And then I forgot that I'd put it there and I forgot to look you at did it. Not put it on uh, so show. we're gonna move on to hot goss, Ian. Okay. Why don't you <laughs> lead us through some hot goss? Okay, we've got a lot of hot goss this week. Um, most of it's pretty inconsequential. Um, so let's see, there's a, another person on the ASMR subreddit who is posting a survey. A survey basically asking various menial questions about ASMR, um, no doubt seeking to fulfill some sort of inane um, survey requirement in a master's psychology program. <laughs> I, I mainly link to this, not because I think the uh, material or survey is worth anyone's time, because I don't, but <laughs> um, I, that's that's me. I haven't even taken the survey. I've, I'm, in, I'm in no position. I'm, I'm taking it right now, actually. <laughs> uh, my gender, male, my age, 25. I'm an oldie, John. Am I familiar with the phenomenon known as ASMR? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> when did I first hear the term ASMR? Ian, we don't have time to go through this whole John, story right now. we've got nothing but time. Ian, we, that is not true. Ian, we're trying to make this a tight, reasonably length podcast, and we already spent like 20 <laughs> minutes on the fucking top the 10 1% list. 1% of the top 10, top 10, top 10 list. Yeah. Um, do I personally know anyone who experiences ASMR? Ian... <laughs> No. All right, John, Ian, tell me about John, the, the... You can edit this part out. Uh, Ian, I, I'm so lazy with editing. I don't want to do that. John, we're never going to... Oh, I've already finished it, John. I just finished it. Okay, thank God. God, that is a quick survey. That is a quick and menial survey. I mainly linked that <laughs> just because I wanted to point out the fact that, you know, there are people who are currently doing master's theses on ASMR, and I find that pretty funny because I think that means that, you know, probably within the next three or four years, We'll be seeing people with PhD theses just focusing on ASMR. And I hope that one of them stumbles across our podcast and <laughs> uses it to sort of develop an encyclopedic knowledge of the field. Because really, John, at this point, I think we could get a PhD in ASMR. Yeah, we'd probably be like put more thought in, or I don't know, more research into it than most people at this point. Yeah. There are definitely people who have like watched more ASMR videos than either of us. Certainly more than you. <laughs> but uh, I I don't know that as many people have like really dissected it as much as us. Yeah, um, it doesn't I mean we've put quality dissections and thought into it, but we've put more thought into it. Than there's a people. lot. Yeah, and I and that sort of brings us to the third item on the list. I'm skipping over the second for now. Um, Great. This is just I did a little Google Trends search on ASMR just to sort of check in to see how we're doing mm -hmm. as a community. Um, so you know, first off, a bit of bad news. ASMR seems to have declined in popularity since April last month, whereas it was at sort of 100% interest. 
Um, oh. As of May so far, it's only at 99% interest, but such dynamics are well within um, sort of past, you know, just sort of noise levels. I wonder um, what happened in April. Because I feel like our, our previous peak was when everyone thought there was going to be a nuclear war. So I'm wondering what, what was going on in April that maybe ASMR truly is just growing. Yeah, I mean, right now we're sort of, it looks like we're on just sort of the, the part of the, the sort of hockey stick curve where things really start getting out of control. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. And it's, I think it's just interesting to note that, you know, if we had really capitalized on our positioning of getting, because when did we get in, like... Um, what? February of uh, twenty seventeen. Yeah. So, like ASMR was only at about half of its current popularity. So, really, we got in not at the ground floor of ASMR, but pretty early in the spike. Um, and so, just from a sort of investment perspective, we should be doing pretty well right now in terms of yeah. ASMR I'm, stuff. I'm sure our, our listenership is is uh, growing as quickly by as ASMR's popularity. By leaps and bounds. Yeah, even faster. Wow, than ASMR as a whole. That's remarkable. Um, we should get a Google Trends for actually. I can I can look up a Google Trends for ASMR question right no, now. Ian, keep it John, moving. John, you gotta you gotta you gotta get good on the editing, John. If you don't if you don't become a hot editor. We're never going to crack the so top time ten consuming. Pod- well, John, yeah, of course, it's going to be time-consuming. My consuming. favorite podcast is... Actually, uh, is it, eh, possibly my favorite podcast does no editing. And that is The Worsity of All Time. And you know what? They were very briefly very successful, but not really so much anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe that's a, a cautionary <laughs> tale. <laughs> well, John, I just looked up ASMR Quest on Cool Trends to see if we are peaking or even surpassing ASMR, uh, and our search doesn't have enough data to show here, John. <laughs> so that's a concern. That's a concern for the future that we'll discuss offline. The final piece of ASMR news is I saw a discussion piece on the ASMR subreddit where someone went to an ear cleaning shop in Shanghai, and they hmm. posted and asked me anything about it. Well, that was just kind of interesting. This person saw a big sign for ear cleaning and relaxation mansion. In a popular Whoa. shopping area within Shanghai, and paid eleven dollars and thirty-three cents American for a thirty-minute ear cleaning session. Um, and I read through the various questions and answers. Uh, it seemed like uh, uh, it doesn't seem like there's all that much to say about this. This person, you know, she made the the person who was cleaning his ears or her. I guess I don't actually know about their gender. Their ears um, got out a few. A few sort of big pieces of gunk, but nothing too spectacular. The noise levels were acceptable, sometimes fairly loud. They did not offer ear candling. I mostly just posted this here because I thought it was interesting. You know, normally when I see all those ear cleaning videos, they seem like a you know, cranial nerve exam, and that it's something that's just completely disconnected from reality. But it turns out, much like cranial nerve exams, uh, this <laughs> is also something which does appear to exist. If only huh. in China. Uh, well, I, I did have an, an ear cleaning once, which I think I mentioned previously on the ship. On, oh, on but that was show. under a medical setting, right? That's yeah, it like was a medical setting. And it, it was not relaxing. It was not pleasant. No. Uh, also, I've got to say, so uh, Q-tips, you know, it's one of those things you're not supposed to use. Apparently, it's very, very bad. Uh, but i got to say, I went almost my entire life using Q-tips on a regular basis, never had any issues with the Q-tips or with earwax. 
Then I stopped using them, and within, like, a year, I had one ear canal that was apparently, like, completely blocked with earwax. It was very gross, and it had to be removed. And I just, I don't know if Q-tips are as bad as people say. Well, I'm, not, thing, I'm not advocating that people start using them, because I don't, I don't want to be blamed for giving bad medical advice. I just, based on anecdotal evidence, bad anecdotal evidence, I'm skeptical about the, the, these claims of, of danger, and, and more so, I'm skeptical of the claims that Q-tips don't clean your ears. I can definitely accept that there is a danger to using Q-tips. But the idea that Q-tips don't clean your ears, I think, is bullshit. I think if you have bad technique with Q-tips, then sure, it won't work. But I think if you know how to use it, you can actually clean your ear with it. Because again, never had a single problem with earwax the entire time I was using Q-tips for like 20 plus years. And then I stopped using them. John, when did you start using Q-tips? Alright, that's that's, that's (laughs) fair. I I don't know when... 20 plus years seems like too many. Okay, I don't know when I started. But I was certainly using them into my early 20s, and then in my later early 20s, stopped using them, and then I had problems with earwax. Well, John, this is something that I've said time and time again, um, I hope that all of our listeners take this to heart. Uh, doctors are not to be trusted. They're, they're mostly um, crooks, thieves, scoundrels, and liars who are out to try to fleece you of your hard-earned money. And this is an episode that I hope one of my most admired podcasters never stumbles upon, and that is Sydney McElroy. Well, John... Uh, I think she would be very upset with this episode and very upset with us. John, here's what I've always said. Um, So you look at the American Medical Association, right? The sort of organizing body that manages medical accreditation, in particular for for medical schools. Um, What are they up to, John? Why is it? Why is it? that medical schools have acceptance rates commonly in the single digits, and yet we as a nation are suffering a shortage of doctors right now, John. What's going on there? There is a medical cartel, which is, I think, flagrantly operating to try to um, boost the scarcity and thus value of medical treatment in America, and I think it is detrimental to our nation's health. Uh, I think doctors should be tried for war crimes. <laughs> uh, so our main quest this week, <laughs> listeners, was the the devil's lettuce, mm-hmm. jazz cigarettes. Oh no, John, say it ain't weed. So. Ah, marijuana, John. Please, in this economy, <laughs> three point nine percent unemployment rate, guys. We're doing it. Specifically, ASMR, marijuana, mm-hmm. or cannabis. If you are a hip, pretentious person, uh, or just from the West Coast, I guess. I, I think it's just. I think it's a West Coast thing. No, I, to me, it, it doesn't seem like cannabis is much fancier of a word than marijuana, right? Like, well, so I, I think the whole idea behind it is that marijuana was like was a slang term that became the predominant term around the time that there was a lot of propaganda telling, a, like, saying how evil it was and how terrible it is for you, and 
all that because it's like i i think marijuana was like a a um probably mexican or maybe just it is uh, it's a mexican spanish word that originated from the natural word alejuan meaning yeah so so, so i think uh so i think marijuana yeah it was like a mexican slang term for for weed uh that uh was used in instead of cannabis which was like the accepted sort of english word for it previously the botanical definition yeah the, okay the botanical word for it because marijuana sounded scarier than cannabis to white people uh i, th- I think that that is sort of the the very rough history of it and why uh, some people are now trying to use cannabis instead of marijuana but at this point like fucking everyone knows what marijuana is and that is true also apparently like, i don't know i don't it's, care it's known in mexico as chinese oregano oh which i don't know what to make of that john gotta be honest here yeah i don't think it's chinese nor is it oregano yeah well um, you gotta tell that to the Mexicans, John. <laughs> They're very confused. I, I think it's from I think I think it originates from like uh South Asia. Um like the Indian Peninsula and areas near there. But I actually I, I it does grow there naturally. I don't know if that's where it originates. I'm not a uh marijuana historian. Uh I am someone who thought that it would be a good idea to talk about marijuana ASMR on this episode. And I am someone who was wrong. John, the oldest uh, written out... record of cannabis usage is the Greek historian Herodotus's reference to the Central Eurasian Scythians taking cannabis steam baths. Well, in any case, it turns out I was wrong about this being a good idea. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you why I was wrong. And also why I should have known that I was wrong. My, my motivation for talking about this was that Recently, YouTube has apparently been cracking down on marijuana on their website. Uh, now, you know, this is something that is it is perfectly within their right to do it. It is not, you know, YouTube is a, a privately owned website. They can have whatever content they want on their website. Um, but at the same time, I think it is a sort of ill-conceived way of demonstrating that they are doing a better job of censoring what is on their website i think youtube's been getting a lot of flack recently uh at their lack of censorship because there's i think some some truly um terrible things on there uh you know for instance uh someone who posts a video of um a a, a corpse uh, and making fun of the person who committed suicide by hanging themselves. Uh, you know, that's something that shouldn't be on YouTube. And uh, maybe YouTube should take actions to remove such such videos. Um, I don't think that uh, it's ne- it's really a bad thing to have, uh, you know, marijuana content on on your website, especially because I guess they, they supposedly, uh, according to these these two um articles that i i found um which i will i give you the names of in a second um the boring narcs at youtube are being are banning marijuana related channels from uh the outline.com by mona zhang and is youtube turning its back on cannabis from uh herb.co by zach kotzer um 
supposedly uh, YouTube actually went after um, sort of educational channels first, channels that were um, not really sort of like making marijuana or weren't really sensationalizing um, smoking marijuana or using marijuana in other forms, but were just sort of uh, educational channels about it. Uh, and then they, I think, later went out, went after like any sort of channel that, excuse me, uh, had had cannabis content. Um, and so the, yeah, I guess they, they they've been purging a lot of cannabis channels from from their website recently. Uh, and yeah, it just seems like a a, a, a silly, ill conceived way to uh, make it seem like they're censoring stuff better. Um, especially I think what it's also very hypocritical of them because some of the channels they've gone after are, were very popular channels. Uh, and you know, if a channel reaches a certain popularity, YouTube will usually send them like a plaque or something. Uh, and then, you know, so these are channels that YouTube had, had sent plaques to before, uh, honoring their success and was aware of and had no problems with. And then all of a sudden starts just deleting all of them. Uh, so in any case, this was the sort of the background, which made me think, oh, maybe now would be a good time to sort of uh, do a moratorium, maybe, and to to talk about ASMR uh, cannabis content. Uh, what the the connection I, I didn't maybe quite make at the time was that uh, YouTube has deleted most of this content, uh, so it's kind of difficult to talk about it and to to look at it. So, so that was a dumb idea. Is uh, what all of this was getting to. I'll tell. I'll tell you what. I see multiple Wii ASMR videos right here, yeah, so right now. Th- there are some. There are a handful. Uh, I so... see Bella ASMR, um, Bonkertons, Sleepy Waves, Linus Whispers, Highness ASMR, Soul Response ASMR, Capes. Jeez. Yes. Is, this is not a weed video that I'm okay. about, <laughs> a food critic review, but you know she smokes. I don't know if she smokes. I don't know that she does. Uh, so so uh, a couple of the videos I, I found that I, I did enjoy uh, were ASMR Weed Dispensary Roleplay by Kate. Uh, this one, um, I thought it was really good. Uh, and also just fascinating. She's just got like... I don't know how many, but uh, a whole bunch of different strains, and she's talking about all these different strains she's got, uh, and uh, it's it's just pretty it's pretty cool. Uh, and then another one I found was ASMR Cannabis Show and Tell Stories from a Bud Tender slash MMJ Consultant by Lioness Whispers ASMR. So Lioness Whispers ASMR uh, is someone who I guess had previously worked as a a bud tender, which is a funny word for people who work in dispensaries. Um. And, uh, so she knows quite a bit about, about cannabis and, uh, has a lot of different products to show off. Also, Ian's disappeared. I don't know where he went, but he's no longer visible in the Skype channel or video feed. And, uh, he's not talking to me. Uh, and then the, the other video I found that I wanted to talk about is... Okay, Ian, I think maybe just went to pee or something, but he's back. So the other video I found that I wanted Very to talk about... Very salient point, John. <laughs> uh, so, Ian, I just talked about the, the videos that I liked very briefly. Uh, and the, the final video that I wanted to talk about was Zen Weed Garden ASMR No Talking by How She Rolls. And the, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because 
this video features a a preposterous amount of ground of ground weed. Uh, it's just a woman. Ironically, just John, doing... you have frozen for me at this very second. <laughs> um, oh, I think you're coming back now. <laughs> uh, so, so, so the, this video, it, it's it's a you know a Zen garden, you know, like one of those sort of sand things that we're all familiar with. But but it's weed, and it's also a lot bigger, and it, it's all ground up. It so it, it it looks like she's got she's got this tray that I would say could maybe fit, like, a small turkey. Mm-hmm. And it is full of ground weed. Like... Yeah, there's it, a it good, is just, like, half an inch laid it, it down there. It is an unreasonable amount. Like, I have seen uh, pictures and videos of people with, un- like, insane quantities of, of, of marijuana, like, in bud form. You know, people who are presumably either growers or sellers in the industry and just have a lot of it for business purposes and, you know, might have like a a trash bag full of, of buds, but to see so much ground weed or really, even if it's not, even if it's any other dried plant matter, just that much of it is, is preposterous. Yeah. It's a, it's a large amount of ground-up weed, so I assume that the distinction you're making here between sort of bud and ground-up weed is is meaningful, because I, is it the case that ground-up weed sort of does not keep fresh as long? Um, I, I don't know. But as far as I'm aware, like, you, you don't sell ground weed unless you are, like, selling pre-rolled joints or something. Hmm. Like, when you sell it, you sell it in the bud form. So this is uh, all so it is personal consumption, then. Uh, so at the beginning, this this woman has like a couple of joints rolled up already. So pres- presumably, she is just like just rolling out joints. Possibly, like she is rolling them for for resale. But like, it, it's just so much. It's so much. It's a lot. It's a lot of weed. It's a lot of breasts. Um, if you go to around <laughs> nine minutes in, she actually draws out the word boobs in her um, Zen weed garden and then <laughs> shakes her boobs. It's it's sort of worth <laughs> saying here that she is wearing, uh, from what I can tell in this video, a brassiere and little else. You don't actually see I her did face not get that far into this video. <laughs> or a full picture of her of body. But there is there's a, a big old honkin' uh honkin' para para little boobies uh in the background. Um this whole video It's not it's not the um what I would say the classiest of Zen weed garden videos that I've seen. <laughs> Um, it really seems like it's it's appealing towards a towards a particular audience. <laughs> I so I I had not gotten this far in this video, but up to that point, there's no other other reference to boobs. Well, John, there is still and the big pair of boobs in the background the whole I, time. I guess I don't know. It, you it's guess, like, John. You get. I don't know. Look I, at them. You can to me, it, it's not the focus of the video because there's just <laughs> there's just so much weed. It's it's just so much. You're not wrong about there being a preposterous amount of food, John. I'm like, I just can't get past it, Ian. It's so much. But you can't look at this video and tell me that boobs were not a a fundamental 
component of the conception of this video. I don't know. I I think it was just sort of, you know, I feel like if you're if you're someone with big boobs, they're just there all the time. You well, but John, but you're not wearing it. a bra, and you don't have your your camera shot structured so that you just have the cleavage in the top. I right? this is that, this is a I don't clear, know. distinctive framing. This is, this is intentional. I don't John. know. I, We've I got don't bare know. ends here, John. We've got will to deceive here. I, I don't know if I... If I Ill intent, John. I disagree. I don't Guilty. think so. I don't, th- I don't think that Guilty. was the focus of the Guilty. video. But it's so much weed. It is a lot of weed. We can, we can agree on that, John. We can it's agree on it's agree. crazy. Do you think it's actually weed? I think so. But again, like, regardless of whether or not it is, like, what, like, any other dried plant matter, it's still a ridiculous amount. Yeah, it could be, like, grass trimmings. But you, like, again, it, 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 like, to have that much grass trimmings is not unreasonable. But to dry it and grind it up is. So even grass clippings, like whatever it is, and I, I think it probably is real weed, but even if it's not, it's still crazy how much there is. It's so much. There was also a nice video by Lioness Whispers ASMR. Yeah, I talked about that already, Ian, when okay. you were off peeing or something. I don't know. Well, what I just doing. wanted to comment on how disgustingly long her fingernails are. <laughs> grotesque i hadn't noticed and they're uneven no good (laughs) all right Uh, well i think this has been a a sufficiently long episode (laughs) uh we it's the john it's our 50th episode spectacular Um, all right well so in honor of that i'm still gonna skip the rotating segment but we are gonna we are gonna have the indulgence corner because there's something pretty good oh man yeah, so, you told me to skip this one. You told me, you said, Ian, don't look at this. That's right, Ian. So we got a response from Danny D after the last episode of ASMR Quest. Mm-hmm. The episode which our... As I recall, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about alcohol. Uh, no, no, oh, no. no this that's is the, the last episode of um, of Who Are You? Uh, the last episode of ASMR Quest was the one where we uh, spent a lot of time talking about the Applebee's YouTube page. Oh my goodness, John. I am, so, I'm looking at it now. So Danny D responded, and he said, I was an hashtag Apple buddy. That's what they actually referred to us as during orientation. For like five years, during and shortly after college. So this episode really hit home. Applebee's social media failures are going to help power me through this Monday. And, man, the phrase Apple Buddy is just incredible. Oh, it truly is, John. That's I mean, I, incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Danny appreciated that episode, but, but let's focus on Apple Buddy. Wow. <laughs> like, it, it's sort of similar to how Disney refers to their employees as cast and crew. Like, like Disney World, I mean. And Disneyland, they talk that about seems, cast members and crew members. That seems members. pretty standard. Cast but yeah, it, it, it's it's somewhat reasonable in that Disney World slash Land, uh, you know, is a movie themed already, and b legendary for their customer service. 
But so, so, so it's, it's silly, but reasonable for Disney to do it. But Applebee's does not need a special word for their employees. <laughs> well, John, you say that, but I'm going to actually come in here uh, as a hard counterpoint to you. I think if I was if I was Jeff Applebee's, the founder of Applebee's, probably, um, and I came up with the idea of hashtag AppleBuddy, I think I would be I would be doing a disservice to the global community by not trying to capitalize on this hashtag. Um, <laughs> it truly is an astonishing term, um, and I'm looking up uh, I'm looking up hashtag AppleBuddy on. On Facebook, just to see. So, oh yeah, so I'm seeing a lot of stuff from Applebee's circa 2017, where they are using the term hashtag AppleBuddy. Uh, <laughs> this is something we didn't focus on uh, in our previous episode, uh, and we probably shouldn't focus on too much in this episode, but Applebee's Twitter also doesn't seem to be doing all that well. Um, You're right, Ian, we shouldn't focus on it too much this episode. But and we I can't, do say, because unfortunately, Ian... I'll let you get it out. I was just going to say, John, um, so we are, both us and Danny D, are the last two people to have used the hashtag AppleBuddy <laughs> uh, in the past eight days. This is not a thriving hashtag. <laughs> um, oh, that's that's so good to know. Yeah, so we are we are currently the Twitter representatives of hashtag AppleBuddy. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Well, listeners, this has been another ex- excellent episode of ASMR Quest. I've really enjoyed it, and I'm sure it has nothing to do with all the scotch I've had tonight. Not a, not a lick. So, uh, you know, if you also enjoyed this episode, or even if you didn't enjoy this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review Now, on John, iTunes. I'm going to come in here in hard opposition. If you didn't like this episode, <laughs> don't give us a five-star if you rating. if you didn't like this That's episode, give us a five star rating <laughs> and review on iTunes. Recommend us to all your friends. Be you the change us, you want to see in the world. You can find us on Twitter at ASMR underscore quest, spooky ASMR quest, in reference to New Christmas. Haven't changed that. And you can email us at ASMRquesting at gmail.com. When was the last time you checked the emails, John? Today. Oh, wow. We had a great email from Google Analytics about how we had, like, 23 visitors to our website in April. We're doing it, John. We're hitting the big leagues. That's right. Ian, I did my portion of the outro. It's time to do yours. Thank you for listening, and stay tingly. That's my portion of the outro.